Fires on the Farm podcast. My name is Donovan Jones. I am here with Roy as usual. Hello, everybody, and well, welcome to an exciting day, the debut of Luis Urias. Yes. It's funny, driving over here, just like, traffic wasn't that bad, and just the sun was a little bit shiner, uh, shinier, and, uh, you know, I just, it seemed like a different... Like, the world had shifted. You know, Padre's Twitter certainly is a happier, friendlier place today. Yes. People have reason for hope. <laughs> we have a reason to smile. Everybody has a reason to be happy to get out of bed and go to the ball game today. Right. And, and so, thank God our, our, our prayers are answered. Let me just go with that. Our, our prayers are answered. And, you know, I want to kind of put this in perspective. It is one guy. But it is a guy that, you know, is a long time coming. I mean, I, I heard about this kid three years ago when me and Liddy started going to the Storm games. And, uh, you know, I was like, look at this guy right here. Oh, he's Luis Udis. Oh, he's like 18 years old. He's a stud. And he went like three for four with like two doubles. And just he was everything as advertised as an 18-year-old in the Cali League. And mm-hmm. at 18 years old, he won the batting title. Yeah. And then he went ahead and did the same thing in double A. And he's, he's been a remarkable guy to follow. Now, this isn't the second coming. This, he's no. not a superstar in the making. He's not. That's we look at Tatis and and hope that he someday becomes that. Where Urias is a solid MLB regular kind of a guy. Yeah. I hear the the comps that I hear are like Placido Polanco, um, Mark Loretta. Um, I've even heard people talking about Bip Roberts and Roberto Alomar. I think Roberto Alomar is a bit of a stretch, but regardless, this is a guy that should get on base, hit for good average, play really good defense. And somebody who's going to stay on this roster for a long time, hopefully through the next successful Padres teams. He is the prince to Tatis's king. Okay, yeah, he I'll go with that. He is the apostle to the Tatis savior. Oh. That's why I want to, our prince is always what I put on Twitter because mm-hmm. he's like, he's young, he's likable, he's a good looking kid. Will you he, mute that thing? I am muting my phone <laughs> as we speak. So um, he's coming off a 15-game hitting streak in the PCL. Uh, he's been hitting the hitting the eyes out of the ball the last month or so. He's still striking out a fair bit. Yeah. He's drawing a lot of walks. He's making a ton of contact. Yeah. Uh, I saw something. Apparently, a couple weeks ago, he made an adjustment to his step that he was stepping toward the first base dugout and kind of closing himself off. Mm-hmm. Now he's, his step is more direct toward the, the pitcher's rubber. And so... Maybe that mechanic has something to do with what's unlocked this performance all of a sudden. But the 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 move from double A AA to triple A and the increase with the strikeout rate has been concerning to people. Mm-hmm. But in this in today's game, I don't know if that's that big of a deal. You just, we kind of have to let him go through his growing pains and figure out who he's going to be. Yeah. The guy's only twenty one. Yeah, and and that's. Well, and with a step into first base, that's going to, you know, you're going to be, he has to go a little bit farther to get that bat around. And um, I, 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 my thoughts and my expectations are tempered. Do I want him to hit 320 with a, with a you know, 380 on base or whatever? Absolutely. Um, do what I expect out of these next three weeks is just, just get your feet wet. I wouldn't just to get your feet wet. Because mm-hmm. um, it's going to be next year when... The season starts and he's at second base as when the true test of him is going to be. But it's something to be excited about. I'm, I'm, God, it's like a birth of a child. <laughs> it truly is like a birth of a child. It is. We've been looking forward to this all, all year. We keep looking. When's he going to come up? Why haven't they called him up yet? 
And I was starting to think that they were going to hold off until the end of the Pacific Coast League playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. The Chihuahuas just won their division. Yeah. They're going into it on this nice streak. And so you think, okay, keep these guys together. Let them win. Let them, you know, feel the teamwork and the experience and the leadership and all that. But at the same time, then you call them up. This is, for a baseball player, this is one of the biggest days of their career. Mm. The day they come into the league, the day they retire, the day they, you know, yeah. all of that kind of stuff. Um, it's, it's where were you, you know, he'll remember that day forever. Yeah. He's gonna, we're going to hear the interviews. What happened when you got the call? Who did you call first? Did you call your mom? Did you call your dad? Mm-hmm. How did Rod Barajas, who seems to always have a creative way of, uh, of letting him know? I mean, but how could you... It's like letting someone knows that they're going to go to the show. That then he knows he's going mm-hmm. to the show. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of time and when. Um, I really hope he was able to do something kind of special and, uh, you know, <laughs> to, to let him know. Yeah. Um, the timing of it's interesting to me. Yeah, well, and because that's what I wanted to Did you see what they were doing on the field just a little while ago? No, I did not. They're taking the team photo today. Really? Yeah. So you know how the end of the season they give out the team photos. Luis Urias is on that. So now that's that that picture is going to be used for the coming year. I, I just I find the timing of that. Why today? Because we're, yeah. what, three days before September roster expansion. Exactly. They could have waited a couple of days, wait a series. But they call them up today. Well, they are in Tacoma. So the AAA team's in Tacoma right now. So I, I, you can go conspiratorial and go like, well, they're trying to change the narrative of a 100-loss season or they're trying to, you know, they're just trying to turn the positive into a really dismal season. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way I say it is like, yeah, they're in Tacoma. Why not just bring them in? If they're going to bring them up in a week, you know, four days from now at the end of this series, I don't know where they're at in four days. But why not when they're just going to be in Tacoma? Hey, instead of you going to Tacoma, you hit San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the same time, Aswahe is now with the team, with the Chihuahuas. That was a corresponding move. Right. He got optioned down. Right. And he had a great year in El Paso. Yeah. So he's going to step right in and not miss a beat. He, I think the five games since he was called up, I think it went hitless in every appearance that he had. Yeah. So, yeah, kind of feel bad for a Swahe. I know that the, the ladies are going to feel bad about their, their little caterpillars. The caterpillar's gone. <laughs> that's fine. But our little prince is here. That's right. Um, and uh, wherever we, whatever, it's just going to be great to see him in a major league uniform. But that's it. So, we, But we have more to talk about. There's lots to talk about. Mm-hmm. And just as I'm sitting in my car waiting for you to get here, you... I broke the, the, other, the other news the, today. The other big and news. It's, it's, it's not a big surprise. So, Chris Paddock... He's, do you have the innings count there? Is it what, 95 innings on the season? 90 innings, 120 batters, uh, struck out 120 batters, issued seven unintentional walks and one intentional. <laughs> so he's had a remarkable season. Um, he was he was pushed back from his scheduled start earlier this week. I think it was supposed to start today, and yeah. then they said maybe Wednesday. And now they've decided that they're just going to call it a season for him, yeah. which is fine. He's pitched in the 90 innings he's pitched this year. That's more than he'd pitched in all of his prior professional experience. Right before the Tommy John. Yeah, so right. you need to you need to ramp these guys up. And he's a hard thrower, so it, it makes sense that they're going to take their time with them. So cut him off at 90 this year. Maybe next year he works up to 120 or 130. Yeah, it, It's a progression that these guys go through. So th- this isn't a health concern. This isn't any reason to be worried. It's just... A reward almost. You know, reward mm-hmm. in, in just smart baseball. 
Um, you don't need to pre- you don't need to push him. He is proven. It's kind of like the same thing with Tatis. When Tatis got hurt, it's like ah, you know, you have the the suicide videos from the kept faith, and you know how many of Padres <laughs> Twitter wanted to jump off the you know just anyways. Yeah. Um, it's almost a reward, you know. So like same thing. It's like okay, you've done enough. We don't need any more out of you. We want to be safe. Uh, you've shown us what you've got. Enjoy the rest of your off season. Yeah. Um, and what I saw in the article, I think it was Jeff Passan wrote, was he was transferred to the rookie team. So he was taken off the AA roster and transferred to the rookie uh, to, a- to the AZL. I think that's a technicality. Right. Which he, I, he has to remain on a roster. Right. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's funny, I, I, and this is a minor league podcast, and I don't know how many people can be on the, on the rookie roster. <laughs> That's a good question. Because in the in the DSL, their roster is like 50, 60 people deep. Exactly, exactly. I think it's 70. Um, and, and I know in the minor league squads, it's 35. They can have up to 35 people Correct, on Correct, but I think that roster. starts at low A. Yeah. So below low A, you don't have the same rules. Yeah. I don't know. That sounds like a good question for uh, the Mad Friars people or somebody like that. I, I know David J knows those rules inside and out. He could, he could set us straight. But anyway, so Chris Paddock's season is done. He is done. But congratulations to him for a nice season. Yeah. So you mentioned Tatis's thumb, and there was something I saw earlier, uh, and I missed this. This was about a week ago. Alan Cordova, his season ended because he needed to have surgery on his left thumb. It was the UCL, which is related to what happened to Tatis. Okay. Um, it was an outfield dive where he hurt his, and it's his glove hand. So he must have rolled over it funny. But so Alan Cordova's season is, is over. Well, that's okay. Um, and I think we're going to see a lot more of this as the season go, as the season winds down, as maybe some of these more, more of these pitchers kind of like getting let go and, um, you know, just kind of put out the passion for the well, offseason. The seasons are ending. Yeah. I, the, uh, what, what's um, the Arizona Summer League just ended? Hmm. I think this was their last yeah. week. You're right. You're right. Um, and I have some of that in the notes uh, when we get into the rundown for the affiliates. And ironically enough, I'll be going to the Storm game this weekend, Lydia and I will be. And I, I finally emailed um, Matthew Rodriguez, I think he's the social media guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, hey, I was thinking about me coming down to see you guys. Um, to get a, you know, to get a, I don't know, credential or yeah. passed or whatever. You know, uh-huh. I, I just, I, I don't want to sit behind the plate in, in the 105 degree heat killing myself. Oh, so you're going to sit up in the press box and look down on the on the plebes. Yeah, I, I really, for once, want to feel superior to someone. Um, often through my life, I don't feel superior. I often feel less than. <laughs> um, but that's another story. Yeah, how um, much does it cost to rent out a, a box, a suite at this? It's like 50 bucks for a suite, I'm sure. It has to be. And we got, <laughs> we, you know, ironically enough, we should have a Padres Twitter. But you know, you're we just should... so cheap that you're going to try to pull a press pass. No, I'm just kidding. You haven't heard back from them, though? Yeah, he did. So what games do you plan on showing up? I, I plan on showing up Saturday. Um, I, if we do a minor league podcast, I, you know, I, I want to be able to talk to these guys. I want to be able to, um, it, you know, I'll, it'll be a learning experience because if I ever go to talk to any of the players, you know, I need to have some questions lined up. Oh, yeah. Um, well, and they'll set you up with people. If you say, I want to talk to ABC, then they'll try to get you in front of those people. And then the same thing as the game's going by – if you want to talk to somebody after the game, yeah. same thing. Put in those requests yeah. with those same same guys because it's Matt and Dominic are the two people that you, okay, cool. that you'll interface with. Cool, excellent. And they're super nice, accommodating people. And they, they love all the attention that they can get at those. Good. So. Well, and I also want to set this up for next year as, as, as well 
to begin that relationship because next year we have a lot, you know, Mackenzie Gore, Luis Patino. Oh my God. Um, we just once another year of stacked, stacked pitching. Gabriel Arias, Jason Rosario. Oh my God. It's going to be huge. <laughs> we're getting excited. We're getting excited and we're getting way off topic. So, um, <laughs> we're good at that. We're really good at that. So, this last week, um, Sam Dykstra from MILB wrote a tool shed on Ryan Weathers. And we'll get into his start here in a little bit once we get down to the, to the uh, rundown. Um, but this is Anthony Contreras. This is an article from Sam Dexter from MILB. Um, Anthony Contreras on Weathers. Yeah, he definitely didn't look like a high school pitcher. Uh, his arsenal included above average pitchers in the low to average. Excuse me. His arsenal that includes above average pitches in his low to mid 90s fastball, curveball, and changeup. Weathers was humbled in the July 25th matchup against the Padres' other AZL squad. He faced only six batters, giving up two hits and two walks, and recorded only one out. A strikeout against the final batter, he, and he had a strikeout against the final batter he faced. Uh, the first hit he surrendered, the first he get up, gave up as a professional pitcher, uh, was a home run off uh, by Lee Solomon. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, another kid we'll be seeing up in the uh, Tri-Cities probably next year. Uh, on the result of his first start, he said it was really hard walking out the field that quickly. Um, <laughs> going on, it's a really good article. If you guys get a chance, look it up. Look him up, Sam Dykstra on MILB. Uh, he, he talks about wanting to get, um, wants to meet, you know, Mackenzie Gore and uh, getting around him and get him kind of in with those guys, in with Patino, in mm-hmm. with Gore, and in with these pitchers that um, you know that have been there. It's, it's like the new guys coming on the block. Let's integrate him to the guys he should be pitching with maybe in the future. Well, you talk about the struggle that he got roughed up in that. Yeah. And if you look at his high school career, especially his last year, and he just dominated. His numbers are just as gaudy as what Gores were last year. Yeah. So when you go an entire season, you only give up a couple runs. You only walk a couple of guys. And then you step up that level, and it's hit, walk, hit, hit. And you're you're getting chased out of a game in the first yeah. couple innings. Yeah. That's a humbling experience. And the same thing kind of happened to Mackenzie Gore a little bit. So these guys have to learn. You got to learn how to lose a little bit, yeah. and rebound. Well, in the article, he does talk about the biggest thing that his dad told him wasn't about pitching mechanics, wasn't about pitching. It was about your failure. Like this game is built on failure. Mm-hmm. So either you get used to it and learn from it, or you're gonna, you know, you're just gonna have a horrible career. Um, this is Contreras uh, talking about uh, Weathers. Weathers is the kind of quieter kid, and so is Mac McKenzie. Uh, Mac likes to do his own thing. That was unfortunate what he's going through now. That relationship will take a little time, but there are, there are instructs. There's spring training next year. There's plenty of time for that competitiveness to foster and for them to feed off each other, but it's got to happen naturally. The Padres do some things with certain stats to show how pitchers stand up to one another, but they know who each other are. When weather started, all eyes were on him. It's not going to go unnoticed how they can compete with one another. And that friendly competition is how you get good farm systems. And it goes on, and it talks about, it just talks about all his tools and uh, and how the next time he went, he he did well. So uh, interesting, you know. That's that's what I like about you know baseball players coming through the minor leagues is you get you build friendships and you build that friendly, um, you know, that friendly competition in our in you know. And I hate to really bring this, but like. In our rec league, it's friendly competition. Like, we're all adults. We all got day jobs. But I want to outdo my buddy that's on the mound. And I want to, you know, I want to catch the ball that's hitting the gap from my pal that I know on the other team. And um, I think that that competitiveness 
and that um, you know those relationships that develop uh, really bring chemistry and it really brings uh, really brings a team together. Oh, I kind of was losing train of thought there. Um, so that came from yeah, that came from that came from Sam Dexter. I'm sorry, folks. I didn't get a chance to. I, I put together. I put together the outline. I'm just reading it off my phone. So, um, do you want to start in El Paso? Well, hold on. I, I got Dennis Lynn had the article on oh. Chris Paddock. Oh, that's right. And um, I just took a little bit of that because it's a great article. Once again, guys, if you don't if you don't subscribe to the Athletic, uh, you really ought to. Uh, if you don't subscribe to Mad Friars, you you really ought to just take the time and put the money down. Uh, you know. East Village, you know, East EBT guys, you don't really, that's all free content and it's, it's, it's quality content. Um, but, you know, Dennis Lynn has the direct access with the team and it's an excellent article he has on Chris Paddock. So it says here, in the offseason, Paddock said he plans to expand his wardrobe. Since his promotion, he's maintained his routine of wearing suit. Yeah, but only two suits. Right, on days he starts. <laughs> Big leaguers dress more formally when they travel, so he figures he should prepare. For now, he is rotating between two outfits. There it is. An upcoming visit to men's warehouse is in order. Of course, by wearing full suits, boots, and cowboy hats, Paddock has established a unique style. Unlike the few walks he's issued, this is intentional. Quote, and I love this. I don't want to be good. I want to be great. I want to be Chris Paddock. I don't want to be a Clayton Kershaw. I want to be my own name out there in baseball. And he talks a little bit about that in the article. Um, just he like he wants to he wants to cover out his own name. You know, we put to to kind of give us an outline of what a player is going to be. We always put comps. You know, we we put comps on these guys, and these guys don't want to be those guys. They want to be themselves, and they want to carve our name out for themselves. And um, you know, just hearing that from Chris Panic just makes it that much special. But then we're going to move on. We're going to go right into. El Paso. All right. So despite losing this last Saturday, the El Paso Chihuahuas, Chihuahuas, they clinched their fourth division title. Now, I think that's the most division titles a Padres minor league team has ever done in, in A, consecutively. It's, it's been a run for the Chihuahuas. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's, um, well, it goes to show you that just, you know, the, the AAA success doesn't necessarily uh, correlate into major league success. True. And there were a couple years ago that they had that the what would they call it the core four where it was Renfro and and Margot and Hedges and Aswahe, and then earlier that season you had Schimpf and Blash and Jankowski and and that team all came up and uh, yeah these they're learning how to win together they're fostering this relationship that's going to gel and then it's taken a year and a half to see these guys start to finally become productive major leaguers. Yeah. So, so what what do they really glean out of that? I don't know. But at the same time, there is some camaraderie that's built, some collect, collective experiences right. that they're pulling right. out of that. Right. Um, so Monday, this last Monday, Logan Allen, five innings pitched, three hits, two base on balls, three Ks. He has a .82 ERA in four starts. Although 21-11 uh, strikeout to walk ratio in 22 innings. He's getting it done. Oh, yeah. You know, He's hardly missed a beat since he came up from Double A. It's it's not, and what I like about it is it's not incredible numbers. He's not striking out fifteen guys. You know, mm-hmm. he's um you know he's having to work, and and I think with that work, 
it makes him have to be a better pitcher. I I don't I love when guys struggle. I, I think when they struggle the minors, it means whatever they're working a was maybe not working that day, but maybe they need to make some adjustments, and that makes for a better ball player. Um, third baseman Ty France had three more hits and scored the only run of the game. France is hitting 309, 377, and 588 since being in a, since in El Paso. He's drawing more walks and he's hitting for more power than he was in Double A. Yeah, combined, he's got 21 homers in between the two. Uh, Double uh, A in, in uh, El Paso. One thing I did notice, he quit getting hit by pitches. <laughs> well, the hot right. <laughs> he's got he, he got he got plunked twenty five times in uh, in San Antonio, and I don't think he's gotten hit once in El Paso. God, well, that, and the pitching can't be that big of a difference. It can't. But for what? But regardless, the point is he's having a really nice season. He's a first base, third base kind of a player. Yeah. So I don't know where the room is for him at the next level. But he's going to be eligible for the Rule 5. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Padres pull him in in the next month yeah. just to take a look at him and see what do we have. Yeah. Um, moving on, Thursday, Cal Quantrill pitched six innings, giving up just one earned run to lower his AAA ERA to a stellar 2.74. The former first-rounder hasn't walked more than one batter at any of his four starts. Once again, he moved up to AAA, and, and he just it's a whole different ball game. Um, I don't know if he's going to get any more starts. I think we talked about this a couple episodes again uh, back where he's only going to see the same team twice, one team. And I think it might be Tacoma. Oh, okay. Who he sees. You know, I mean, in, in, in AA, you saw the, the hooks every other week, every three weeks. You know, it's like mm-hmm. these guys are getting to know you real well. Yeah, but at the same time, I wonder if there's something that, that pitching coach Bronzewell Patrick has been able to, to work into yeah. him. Because he's definitely taken it up a notch. Because it wasn't just that teams were hitting him a lot. He was issuing a lot of walks. He was having a lot of struggles with command and control. Right, right. And that seems to have gone away a little bit. So maybe the, it's it's more of a mental approach of being able to calm down and execute your pitches rather than trying to overthrow. Maybe, I, I don't know. And I'm just going to throw this in there just because I can because I had it in my notes. But with another multi-hit performance by Luis Urias, he raised his August slash line to 436, 489, 692. <laughs> and that 692 slugging, he didn't hit a single home run in that time. No, no. It's all doubles and triples. That's my power. That's what I don't want. That. Don't don't want home runs out of the guy. If he runs into one, let him run into one. The doubles, the triples, the you know, he I read somewhere where it's the it is he is very good hard contact exit velocity. Mm-hmm. So when you send the ball on a, on a P, you know, on a line, it's going into the gap. It, it'll be a double. It may not go over the fence, and occasionally it will, but that's what you want out of your two-hitter. Yeah. Get, get on base, and if you run into one every once in a while, so be it. But that's what I think he should be. Well, he's got, got the kind of bat control for the situational hitting. Yeah. If there's a runner on second, and you need to move the middle infielder yeah. to open up that gap because you know that they're going to come over to try to cover – yeah, that's. I think that's the kind of hitter that he can be. Or he can put it on the left side, the right side of the infield if he wants to. If you need a fly ball to score the runner from third, he'll get you that contact. Yeah. Uh, Ty France uh, has a, a robust 283, 361, 585 slash line to go along with four home runs. Uh, he's you know he's done. He's displayed excellent patience at the plate. Okay, so you're a couple games back because that's before I lifted it up to 309 with a what was it a three for four. Yeah. Performance yesterday. Yeah, that was that was last Thursday. Okay. He's got three uh, three uh, three walks in five plate appearances. Um, 
God, see, that's funny. Now, uh, we're, now we're going to move on to San Antonio, folks. Uh, this last this last week, Emmanuel Ramirez, after posting a 5.3 ERA, uh, sorry, a 5.43 ERA in the Cal League for 23 games at 71 and a third innings, Ramirez has a 1.59 in his three starts for San Antonio. I think a lot of that was just getting his, uh, you know, getting his feet back underneath him. He was coming back from injury, uh, but he has done really well in, in Double A, and uh, that that goes to show there's just more pitching coming along. And like I think you said it last week, who has Emmanuel Ramirez on their on their list? Um, this last Monday, Josh Naylor had his hit his 16th homer. Chris Huffman, uh, seven innings pitched, two hits, three base on balls, seven Ks. That's like the second or third straight start that he's done really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I he's come out of nowhere. He kind of has. He's, he's been in the system for a while. He has been, and he really flies underneath the radar. And mm-hmm. I, you know, when I'm looking at the dailies, I I, I often overlook him because it's not a big name. You know, it's not it's, it's not your Coughlin Trill, it's not your Baez. Um, so I'll, you know, oh, it's a good start by someone. You know, and I really I've overlooked him this year, and I'm sorry about that. So another guy that makes me think of that is Jerry Keel. Yeah, lefty Huffman's a righty, Keel's a lefty. They're they're both going to be eligible for the Rule Five as well. So again, are they the kind of people that that a team might draft them and stash them on the roster? Probably not, because they don't have that electric upside. Right. So they'll probably be exposed for the Rule Five draft, but it's at least something to have in the conversation because both those guys are having really good years. Keel's been at AAA for most of the year, so they're not that far from being able to contribute. Both right. of them could be solid right. contributors to next year because, right. like we've talked about before, a team needs between like eight and twelve starters to get through a season, plus all the relievers. Absolutely. So you need that pool of depth. And and that's what those guys provide. Um, anyway, that last Monday going on, Kyle Overstreet had three hits and scored a pair of runs Monday. Overstreet's 8-for-11 over the last three games and after enduring a 2-for-26 stretch. That's my boy Kyle. Um, Gerardo, uh, Gerardo Reyes also had two innings pitched with three Ks. Moving on to Thursday... After coughing up 10 runs in, in the first eight and a third innings at double-A ball, Michel Baez turned in his first solid start for the missions, striking out six, allowing just one earned run over six innings. He walked only a pair of batters and kept the ball in the park after walking seven and giving up four homers in his previous two starts. <clears throat> That's the struggle, adjustment, results. Yeah. Maybe he's finally getting healthy from the back issue. Maybe he's finally working through the mechanics. Because that was the other thing was I heard his mechanics were much less consistent this year than they were last year. Yeah, and watching his release and everything. Right. Hudson Potts, who struck out in four of his five at-bats Thursday night. And it's okay. uh, He's 19. He's 19. He's 19 in, in, in double A. Yeah. So, and everyone knows, the organization knows, that was a very aggressive move. Mm -hmm. We want to move him along because we want him up in Petco. And let's see, you know, let's have him spend all of, if not most, of next season in Double A. And if he does well next year, like you said last last episode, gosh, I can't wait for spring training. I just can't wait for another year. I hate for life to go by so fast, but I'm kind of looking forward to spring training next year. Um, uh, last Wednesday, though, so this is Chris Paddock had a rough start, uh, rough first inning, giving up four uh, four hits to the first six batters and allowing two runs to score. He then settled down to allow just one more run over the next four innings. Paddock threw a season-high 86 pitches um, and enters uh, the final three with 120 strikeouts and only eight walks with a 
.82 whip in 90 innings. In the center field, the Buddy Reed collected just his fourth multi-hit game in 32 games since joining the missions to snap a 0-for-16 streak. Another guy who it's okay. Just let him get his feet wet, double-A. Get him through spring training next year. Get him up there next year. And then we'll see. You know, then we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to the storm. Uh, first base, Brad Zunica, after reaching base four more times Wednesday. Uh, Zunica is now hitting 296, 424, and 537 in August. After getting a strikeout rate down to 30% in July, he's improved even further this month, whiffing just 15 times in 66 plate appearances. He'll be somebody to watch next year. Because he started off slow, and then he's come on strong the second half. If he can start next season strong, maybe he'll be a fast riser again. Start seeing him on some of these lists. Because he's a big guy. He's a big boy, and he hits the ball very far. Mm -hmm. We, We believe in Brad. Uh, Sunday, Ronald Bolanos matched his season worse by giving up nine nine hits, but managed to, and this is by Lancaster standards, limit the damage to only four runs and six innings of work. Uh, he turned 22 this last week. He's made big strides in the second half of the season, even in blown past his workload from last year. And that's another thing we got to kind of put into perspective, is a lot of these guys didn't pitch this far into the season or didn't pitch as many innings last year. True. Yeah, so you're seeing a lot of fatigue. Right. Um, you know, mechanics starting to get a little bit loose, that kind of thing. You know, they're starting to get tired as they go deeper into games. Yeah. So this last Saturday, Nate Easley, who has just been tearing it up again in, uh, in the Cali League since Buddy Reed got promoted, was 4-4 four for four and hit his fifth home run. Uh, Nick Margovicius, uh, seven innings pitched, eight hits, three runs, three earned, and eight Ks. He's young for the level two, though. He is very young. He is very good, and we like him a lot. Edward Olivera's second half, posting a slash liner 294, 348, and 439 to raise his OPS for the season to a just below league average 738. But it's a a tale of two halves. Right. Because the first half, he was struggling so much. Right. The second half, he's coming on strong. Now, we got him from a young average Solarte. Right. And he's Rule 5 eligible. He will be. But he's too much of a he, risk. Yeah. There, you know, a team isn't going to – you have to keep the player on your roster yeah. all season long to retain him. So he's a level below Michael Geddes. Michael Geddes has had similar struggles. Yeah. He's got a higher ceiling. And even then, I don't see a team taking that kind of a risk on a, a player that could go out there and strike out half the time. Well, and, and you know what I was thinking is, like, I, I almost want to see guys get picked up just to kind of see – why they got picked up. You know, I mean, we, yeah. like, was it two years ago, the, the big league club picked, like, five guys, mm-hmm. Diaz, um, Luis Torrens, and just all these guys, and, you know, Blash hadn't played above, was it was a Blash, and, you know... Blash, but, Blash had played in AAA, but Torrens hadn't played above rookie ball, I don't right. think. Right, and, and neither has Perdomo, and mm-hmm. it's like, how, you know, those guys got picked up. And, yeah. and so, it, you know, you're kind of cherry-picking from a, some another team's farm, but... It'd be interesting just to kind of see what other people think. Like, oh, wow, he got picked up. Interesting. Well, it's unusual to see players below the AAA level get picked up in the Rule 5 draft. It's yep. usually more of a of a AAA, maybe a little bit of double A guys that have been around for a long time that you can slot into a roster, and they're going to be productive right off the bat. The way the Padres used it the last couple of years, taking these high-ceiling high guys yep. that are horribly underprepared for the level was very unusual. And you can see that the team had to just – just eat it for a couple of years yeah. with these guys. Um, and we'll see how that bears out. And I still think Perdomo can be a quality p- 
pitcher moving forward. Some of the other people, I mean, Diaz is back with the major league team. He's yeah. looking good. Yeah. It, it, it's going to take time, but it's unusual to see teams. So now reflexively, I'm looking at these guys down in single A, double A, thinking, oh, what if they get taken? The chances of them getting taken and sticking are, are really small. You might see some people get picked. Mm-hmm. Then they'll go to the other team's minor league camp in spring training. Get a look. And get a look and stay over there for a few weeks, and then they get sent back. Yeah. That happens a lot. Yeah. Um, interesting. So, I, you know, next, what we wanted to do, folks, this last, uh, we wanted to do it this episode, but maybe we'll do it soon, is we'll go down a rundown of all the affiliates and the level of ball and what they expect out of well, every, that'll, every level. That'll be a good off-season kind of a conversation. Okay, that's what kind we can like definitely a, do. like a glossary episode where we go through right. the terms and explain how the different different levels work and... Waivers and options yeah. and just all the all the nuts and bolts of the minor league system and the minor league uh, minor league players. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to Fort Wayne, so um, so I follow Mike Nutter. He's the president of uh, the Fort Wayne Tig Caps, and um, he was on uh, the Brett Rump show, which is a local ESPN show in Fort Wayne, and uh, really did good. You know, it was really good our interview. Pardon, uh, pardon me, and uh, you know, it talked about. <clears throat> Some of the questions he, he, he was asked is like, okay, so once you have someone like Mackenzie Gore that comes in, brings in all these people, uh, and then, you know, then they move off and you know, the big league club either brings them up or shuts them down. Um, you know, what do you do? How do you keep the fans engaged? What do you do to have the fans come out to the ballpark? And uh, it's just really good, interesting, um, interesting interview. Mike Miller's a great guy. I actually, I wanted to meet him when he was out here in San Diego, but we were in Cooperstown. Oh. And he was in San Diego for a wedding. I'm like, oh, dude, I just wanted to say hi. You know, because I'm sure, I'm not sure he listens to podcasts, but I, I, you know, I tag the Tincast. I tag all the affiliates when we do this. He's got one of the best Twitter handles. It's at Minor League Nut. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you made me think about, so when the Padres call up a player like Luis Urias, we're excited that he's coming here, but then the folks in El Paso might be a little bit sad because they're losing one of their favorites, one of their centerpieces right. of their organization. Right. So there's kind of two sides to the coin. So I was listening to an interview with somebody, I don't remember who it was. Um, oh, they were talking to, this was on 13, uh, 1090, they were talking to um, John Conniff, and he was talking about how a team might leave a player down as a to throw a bone to the minor league right. team because right. that's one of their big draws is come right. out and come see Chris Paddock start. Right. When Chris Paddock gets called up, now you don't get that attendance bump once a week like you used to. Right. Hence, like Tim Tebow was just, he drew the, the Mets, all the Mets affiliates. That might have been just, here, I know we're not that great, but let's throw you some some gate. Well, I mean, he was going to go to the, he was going to be on the major league team this September. I'm convinced of it. They were going to call him up as as mediocre as he was at yeah. single A. And then he goes up to double A and he got named the all-star team, even though he did nothing. Just, yeah, just for ratings. Yeah, I'm sure they were gonna call him up, but now he, what he broke his hand, and so that's a that's a moot, moot point. So kind of give back uh, to the Mike Nutter's interview on yes. on uh, on the Brett Rump show. Uh, he he ran into Mackenzie Gore, and his, I'm quoting this after uh, he went to go shake his hand, and he said over half of his the nail on his middle finger of his pitching hand was black. So. You know, the interviewer asked him, like, so, I mean, come on, he's he really a thumbnail or a fingernail? And if they wanted to shorten his innings load, the positive said, 
Or shorten his innings load. What if it was something stupid, like he slammed his hand in the door? <laughs> well, right. Well, and they wouldn't say anything about that. But I was, it was interesting to hear him say it was like yeah, half the name was black and blue. So it's either from pitching or maybe he did. Maybe there's some other injury that we don't know about. But it wasn't like, you know, whenever I hear a fingernail, I'm like, oh, he's got a, he's got an ingrown nail. Well, or, and people say that, oh, come on, be tough. You know, these guys are all namby-pamby, whatever. It's like, come on. They, this is, they make their livelihoods with the pads of these fingers. Yeah. Well, have you ever, like, bit your fingernails and it gone too far deep and then have that buggy for three weeks? Just every time you touch it, you feel like you want to cut your hand off. Well, yeah, that's, that's one thing so for much. most of us, that we're just handling whatever at work. Right. But then when you're actually trying to, like... You talk to a musician, I think I was talking about this a prior yeah. time, a friend of mine that is a guitar player, he takes amazing care of his nails because that's he needs to have the consistent pressure yeah. to be able to do what he does. And it's the same thing with the pitcher. If something's wrong with their fingertips or with their fingernails, it affects the way they can grip the ball, the way the spin comes off it and all of that. I think we were seeing that in McKenzie's last start. He was throwing much fewer breaking pitches, and yeah. the ones that he was throwing didn't have the life on him right. because he wasn't able to get that pressure. He was still effective, which is a testament to his sequencing and the stuff that he could have even without having 100% of it. Right. Excellent point. Um, so this last Monday, Ryan Weather has pitched well. He went two and two-thirds innings, striking out five. I watched that game. He uh, he looked good. He, uh, he looked poised. He had control, uh, mixing in the off-speed pitches, the curveball. Um, I was really impressed. His mechanics are kind of funky. Yeah. I, I was noticing on a couple, there was one pitch, he threw a breaking pitch, and it's like he planted, and then his knee kind of buckled. And then there was another, so it was this, and you would see that his his foot would land in a different place. So there's, but that's what happens when you've got an 18-year-old right out of high school. You've right. got inconsistent mechanics you need to work right. through. But the fact that he can still pitch with command, even with those inconsistent mechanics, says once you get all that cleaned up, you get him tunneling, tunneling a little bit better, then everything is going to play up that much more. And he won't be susceptible to injury. True. Because mechanics, just clean mechanics, go so far into keeping a pitcher healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that game, um, Gable Arias mm. has finally really put it together. And it really showed. Um, he hit for the cycle. And it wasn't just a cycle. He, he had a five-hit game. I think it was five for six. Yes. Yes, he was. And I watched that game. And... I tell you, like I told you this before we started recording, he finally looked like a player that didn't belong. Worked the count, got a good pitch to hit, and in the past, he would either swing over it or he'd miss it. This time, he would crush it. You know, the home run was crushed. The double was crushed. The triple was crushed. Um, it just you know, And I ended up leaving that game right around the eighth inning to watch Logan Allen start because uh, I just, you know, I didn't think he was going to get another at bat. And God Dang, he's looked good these past few weeks. Um, and that is really a prayer answer because that glove is elite. Well, that was the book on him early this yeah. year and last year was that he's an elite defender. Is the bat ever going to catch up? And so that because him and Asturi Ruiz were kind of opposite sides of the same coin. Because Ruiz, the bat plays up and the glove, it's is it he's it's going to hold him down. Right. And then with Arias, it was the opposite. The glove, he, he looks like an amazing defender already at yeah. age 18, but the bat just isn't there. And now it's finally started to pick up the last couple months. Yeah, so he's hitting 312, 385, and 613 with four homers in August. When the whole season, I mean, I think his average is right up to 238, 240. Yeah, he was really struggling. Which just really struggling. It was an aggressive promotion for him. Yeah. So earlier this week, actually it was today, uh, 
Eric Longenhagen at Fangraphs puts out daily prospect notes. Every day he highlights somebody who did well the last couple of days. And so he brought up Gabriel Arias because he hit for the cycle. Um, what he had to say was, this was the best game of Gabriel Arias' career to date. Scout opinions have varied throughout the course of the year and have been stronger of late as Arias has gone from utilizing an open stance and simply striding closed to a monster leg kick that looks similar to the one used by Glaber Torres of the Yankees. Okay. Some of the power Arias has exhibited over the last month has been to the opposite field, and the home run was an opposite field home run that he hit. Uh, early season reports indicated Arias' physical tools had regressed. Forerunner, softer body, below average power. So a forerunner, that's on the, the two to two to eight scale, okay. like 20 to 80. But more recently, reports are similar to what they were last fall when Arias looked like he might explode the following year. And I remember that in the offseason lists, he was creeping on to some some evaluators top 10 prospect lists as one of these guys that's just an exciting looking player if he can put it together yeah well and uh, like i said last last episode i watched him through the abl the australian baseball league and you see like that you see the glove but and even with the competition down there you see the bat you're like wow he had three home runs that game mm-hmm. are you you know and, and the uh and the announcers are going oh we love this guy Arias. he's for the padres he's just great um they loved him down there. Made the All Star game uh, was was the uh, you know was the talk of the town. Well, and the, his teammate down there was Buddy Reed. Yeah, and Buddy Reed had a similar kind of experience because the year before he didn't hit. He goes down to Arizona, tore it up, came back up here, went to Lake Elsinore, had a fantastic first half, and then he went up a level and he stalled. So Arias is looking great right now. He can step up to the next level, and it might be tough. It might be another half season or a season of struggle, but that goes to show that you have to have the patience with these guys to, to show the development, to show the changes in their mechanics and their approach, their body maturing. Because keep in mind, this kid's 18. He's a, what, 6'1", 160 pounds? He's still a little wiry. He, yeah. he can put on some muscle, and then that power really comes. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on, Jackson. Moving on, uh, Jackson Winsky had three hits and scored four runs uh, in the leadoff spot. As hot as Arias has been, Zawinski, with a 1.056 OPS, has been arguably the best hitter in the Midwest League in August. Um, Jackson Winsky, I love that guy. And, you know, I see these guys in lineups every day, read the dailies, watch the games, and you just, I fall in love with even the organizational guys. But, you know, then again, I fall in love easily. <laughs> Friday, Luis Patino lowered his ERA to 2.16 on the season by allowing just one run on a leadoff double and a pair of sacrifices. Uh, he would need just 76 pitches, 46 for strikes, to make it through six innings, and his fastball was clocked as high as 100 miles an hour. Mm. 100 miles an hour. For a starter. 100 miles an hour. <laughs> as I put my pinky in the side of my that mouth. That's the Dr. Evil right there. Exactly. Uh, his seven strikeouts on the day pushed the season total to 98 and 83 in a third innings pitch. That's just disgusting. Just disgusting. But we need to continue moving on here. Owen Miller has a 364, 377, and 576 hitting line in 16 games uh, since his promotion to the Tin Caps from Tri-Cities. I love watching that guy hit. God, that guy, he just rakes. He um, he he just every you know, he, and he's got that stocky, the trunk, the you know, the the trunk of his legs are just it's stocky. There's a lot of power there. Um, the kid's built like a baseball player. Well, okay, so moving on to uh, Mason Thompson for 
this last Saturday. Uh, four innings pitched, six hits, two runs, two earned. Uh, based on balls on five Ks, he's God. You know, it, he's he's one of the guys I really want to look forward to next year. Really hope he can put together a full, healthy season because he's got the stuff. It's there, and he's still young too. He's mm-hmm. only nineteen, maybe twenty. Um, Lanky has the fastball, has the off speed stuff, and just would be hurt, miss several games, and then come back and be hurt. And um, you know, it's just, we paid over slot for him yes. to not go to college. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really excited to see him. You know, move up. Maybe uh, he'll probably he probably start. I would think in Fort Wayne, and then make his way up to. Uh, to uh, Lake Elsinore. Anyways, Jason uh, Rosario is eighth in the Midwest League and on base percentage of the 376. And DH uh, S3 Ruiz still has 42nd base. 40, 42 bases. 42 bases. In a short season. That's, it, that's, a, that's very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that rounds out uh, Fort Wayne. So and, Fort Wayne, they do a podcast. Well, so they do interviews on the radio. And then they publish them as podcasts that they call it Inside the Park with the Fort Wayne Tin Caps. So I recommend you guys look them up. They're all like, you know, five minute clips, maybe 10 minutes. Um, and this week they interviewed Reese Kinnair, Tom Cosgrove, Dan Dallas, and Olivier Basabe. I learned that's how you pronounce his name is Olivier. Olivier. And what I didn't realize about Basabe, he's from, I think he's from Venezuela, but he moved to the States and went to college. He went to community college and one year of a four-year college in the States before getting drafted. I had it in my mind that he was an international signee, but right, he was right, actually right. A, a drafted player. And so he speaks English. He didn't speak a lick of English when he came to the States, and they were talking to him about his, you know, how did he find this school? Well, his coach in in Venezuela told him about the place. I mean, it's a neat story to listen. Uh, Michael Cantu, uh, they've got the highlight on there for when – when, uh, Gabriel Arias hit the cycle. Dude, so, where, well, 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 pause it. Where's this? Where did? Where? Where's that? Why don't I know that? Inside the park with the Fort Wayne tin caps. Where is it on? What is it on? Stitcher? Is it on iTunes? I'm not sure. I use an app called Podcast Addict, and so it'll when I when it searches, I think it looks in all of those sources. Okay. So I'm not sure where they post these. Um, but it, it should be available pretty easy if you search for it. Well, I guess I don't search hard enough. Um, I guess it's on Audio Boom. Oh, they, they, it's on Apple. They have it on iTunes. Okay. I'll, I'll look for it and get it. It's from ESPN Radio, Fort Wayne. <clears throat> nice. Um, moving on to Tri-Cities, this last Monday, Xavier Edwards uh, had three hits Monday and is now 13 for 34. That's a 382 average over his last nine games. He's raised his average to 306 after sparkling 442 on base percentage with Tri-Cities. Edwards has also been a menace on the base pass, stealing nine bases without being caught. He might be the best haul of that year of this year's draft. Yeah, I, and I thought I read somewhere um, that they kind of comped him to a Luis Urias bat control. I don't know if it was Edwards or, or if it was if it was Xavier. No, I, yeah, I saw that about Edwards. Yeah, it was Edwards, or, or it was Miller. Miller rakes, um, but Edwards just as good, and um, that's not a half bad comp to well, have. Edwards is a smaller guy. I mean, Owen Miller has the trunk, and he's right because Owen Miller went to college. Yeah. He was a sophomore, drafted as a sophomore. So two years of college, living baseball, you you get strong. Yeah. Xavier Edwards was drafted out of high school because he was going to go to Vanderbilt. They they had to give him what was it one point eight million to sign him out of that commitment. Yes. Thank you, Phil Hughes. By the way. Thank you very much, Phil Hughes. We appreciate that. Um, Twitter King. <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> Moving on to Sunday. Uh, Tucapita. Tucapita. Marcano's. 
I came up a homer shite short of the cycle. Shite! He came a homer short of the cycle. The 18-year-old infielder has kept his strikeout rate in the single digits, even while more than doubling his ISOP. ISOP? ISO? ISO? Yep, that's isolated power. Yes. That is slugging minus batting average, I believe. That's that's your department. Yeah, so that's... you take the slugging, you subtract the... It's either the batting average or the on-base percent. It's, I believe it's the batting average that you subtract out. And then that kind of skims the cream off the top of the, of the milk so you can see how much power they're adding to their batting average. So on Marcano's note, that's where fan, uh, Eric Longenhagen yeah. had a write-up about him as well. Um, so he says, though he hasn't walked two and a half times more than he was K'd, as he did in the AZL since being promoted... Tucupita Marcano has continued to perform and draw strong reviews from scouts with Northwest League coverage. Though most of his success is a product of elite, elite instincts and feel, Marcano also has plus bat control and speed. His frame is narrow, but not so small that he's unprojectable. There are utility tools here if Marcano remains wispy and, and everyday potential, plus hit, sufficient power, plus defense, if he gets stronger. So I, I like that he has the foundation of the instincts what yeah. did he say? Instincts and feel. Because those are things that are hard to coach. Like I've mentioned how I like watching Javi Baez. He's such an exciting player to watch because yeah. when there's an opening, he takes it. There's yeah. no hesitation. That's one of the things I liked about watching Urias run the bases this year is he's been taking that extra base whenever he can. And as a shortstop, he he, he has kind of the finesse side of it where you, you deke a player here or there. You know, the little, little stuff that the game inside the game. Right, and right. it sounds like he's that kind of a player. And then at age 18, he can still fill out that frame. And then if he develops a little bit of the power, a little bit of the strength, then the hit tool plays up. And then a little bit of power plays into yeah. it. And then you might have a legit prospect on your hands. Yeah, and these guys are, they are, they're 18, 19. Uh, they barely even hit the weight room. They barely even got their, you know, the, a routine down or even off season for that matter. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure they're still eating plantain. You know, they're just probably just eating whatever they can. You get them into full league ball, you get them an off season, you get them a program, they start building strength, building that frame, and putting on the pounds. Mm -hmm. um, so Marcano, he's hitting 314, 355, and 429. Uh, with just six strikeouts and 74 plate appearances. Adrian Martinez struck out six without a walk, but also giving up six runs over five and a third inning, including, uh, innings, excuse me, including two uh, that came across the gave away in the final frame. Um, Friday, catcher Blake Hunt went four for five with two doubles, two runs. He's 23 for 70. He's 23 for 78 with a 29 and a half uh, percent caught stealing percentage. Uh, DH Tyler Benson went two for three with a double, two base on balls, and three RBIs. This is uh, last Friday. And starter Ramon Perez hasn't allowed more than three earned runs in any of his 10 outings and has held hitters to 236 batting average and has allowed just one home run. One home run. He went five innings, uh, two runs, one earned, four hits, two base on balls, and four Ks for the. Uh, that's in the AZL League. Oh, sorry, that's in Tri-Cities. Now we're moving on to the AZL. Um, and now a lot of these guys in the AZL, you're going to be hearing about us talk about them when they get to Tri-Cities. Like Everyone's moving up. The, the train is moving up. Mm -hmm. And the lava is flowing. That is it. Yeah, but in between them, you've got the instructional leagues that are going to be starting up soon. Yeah. Um, I, I thought I heard that they were going to be releasing the Arizona Fall League 
um, rosters today, but I haven't seen that news yet. But that's the next step. These guys go to the Arizona Fall League. You've got winter leagues in what Panama, the Dominican, all um, Caribbean, and then World after Series. that, you've got Australia that starts up. So the off season for minor leaguers, it kind of doesn't end. Yeah, yeah, they just kind of f- fall off our radar. And well, I think, they fall off a lot of people's radar, but we're going to keep an eye on them. And here at Fires on the Farm, we're going to keep telling you about them. Yeah. Well, yeah, we have work. When the season's over, the work's just beginning. Because mm-hmm. we got to dig a lot harder. We've only just begun. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> Anyways, last Monday, this uh, Monday, uh, Augustin Ruiz had two more hits and hit safely in the last five games of the season. Ruiz, 18, only homered once in the desert, but led the AZL with 10 triples while slugging 466. Got hitting 10 triples in the Arizona Heat. Here's where I saw that the AZL clubs, this was the final day of the regular season, neither of our clubs made the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, I got I got some I got some of the last games. Uh, that was Monday. Yeah, Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, left-handed pitcher Tyler Mortensen earned his first professional win while enjoying his best outing as a pro. The 6'4 lefty pitched three scoreless innings, striking out five. After a rough start to his professional career, he allowed just one run in his last 14 and a third innings and issued only one walk in the final nine. You know, these guys are just getting their feet wet in the ACL. Here's another name to keep an eye out for. Right-handed pitcher Nick Thwaitis. Thwaitis? Thwaitis. Thwaitis. Uh, started for the Arizona uh, Padres 1 and delivered three scoreless innings on his own. The righty struck out four and walked three. Thwaitis, who had committed Thwaitis. to... Thwaitis. 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 <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> committed to play at Kent State, finished his pro season with a 2.42 ERA and a very strong 35-11 strikeout-to-walk ratio. So I don't look at a lot of stats in the AZL, but the strikeout-to-walk ratio and the plate discipline stuff, yeah. that stuff continues on. Yeah. You know, So if somebody might get roughed up and they've got weird scoring decisions, you've right. got really weird rosters because you might have somebody on, out back rehabbing or something like this. But when a pitcher's out there, they're consistently striking out three times as many batters as they're walking. Yeah. When a batter is racking up, he's collecting more walks than he's striking out. These are things that show you the underlying skills that can carry on to the, the further levels as they develop. That's if you can't learn, but if it's there rudimentary, it can develop into something great. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to Saturday, Luis Almanzar. Luis Almanzar. We paid a lot of money for that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, had another good day. Almazar, who was given $4 million bonus by the Padres in 2016, uh, is relatively young in the AZL after hitting 176, 257, and 249, and 244 plate appearances at Fort Wayne, which was an incredibly aggressive move. That was last season. He cut his strikeout rate in half in Arizona, is slowly regaining his footing. Catcher Allison Quintero is hitting 287, 352, and 357, and has thrown out 43% of would-be base stealers. That's silly. Yeah, so I, you know, I, re- I really think uh, Almanzar will be in, in Fort Wayne. Uh, Alice Cotero will certainly start in AAA, or sorry, in Tri-Cities next year. Uh, and Nick Gatewood will be also joining him up there, I think. These are just my productions and my ideas. Um, Nick Gatewood, 21, went 3 for 4 to push his OPS back up to 795. The 11th ground draft pick out of Georgia State has been limited defensively because of an injury coming into his pro career, but he's been an anchor in the middle of the AZL lineup, and he should be ready to go full next spring. Um, 
this is going on. You know, I threw all these notes together kind of like off the cuff. This is another uh, Alice Contero. <clears throat> he's got, in August, he's hitting 350, 409, and 450. He's also thrown out 44 and 44.2% uh, of would-be base stealers. That's 19 for 43. I might have just doubled up that stat on accident. Sorry, folks. Um, I put this together uh, on my, like, 10-minute break. Um, but to finish it out, pitcher Felix Minares, Mijares, Minares, assigned as a post-draft free agent out of the University of the Redlands in June, has a solid start to his professional career. Despite the 21-year-old having a slight age difference in the AZL, he owns a 38-11K to, 11 K to base, uh, base on ball rate and a sparkling 1.61 ERA in 28 innings. So he didn't even get drafted. No. And then after the draft, the Padres signed him as a free agent. Yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of cool. I mean, everybody overlooked him, and then they must have seen something and went back and said, hey, you know, we'll give you a shot, and he's doing something with it. So I just had something come across my Twitter feed, this kind of sad news, and this is going back to the Major League Minute. Clayton Richard is having knee surgery that will end his season. This just came out from A.J. Casseville. Okay. So that says why he went on the DL, but man. And now he's under contract through next year. Who knows what this means going forward? Mm. I mean, I guess the, 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 the nice part is that we've got such depth that's starting to bubble up yeah. that I, I didn't think there would be a spot on the rotation for him next year anyway, that he's going to be pushed off to some sort of a relief role with I mean, guys like Lauer, Lucchese, Nix, um, Kennedy might come around. And then I'm, I'm convinced that they're going to add a couple of, at least a couple of additional pieces from yeah. outside, the yeah. agents or whatever. But anyway, that's a little bit of sad news. Well, I don't it, mean to end it on a sad because today is a happy day. It's a happy day, and I can't wait to get out of here and drive the hour back home in traffic to get home. Um, but, well, and here's the thing about that, and it's not a phantom injury. Like, I thought the injury to Mitchell was phantom. Certainly the Jared Weaver... Uh, Injuries seem to be phantom. Mm -hmm. He had it, but he's been. I never heard anything about that before. Yeah, we're going to send you out on a month's worth of rehab. Right. So, <laughs> you know, to have him say what you want about Clayton, and he did, you know, this past you know, several starts, he did kind of fall off. And hopefully that's just, you know, him getting older in the end of the season mm -hmm. and just I, having bad do, starts. Do you subscribe to the Sackbunt newsletter? I do. Sackbunt Dustin writes a newsletter every single day, and he brings a fantastic analysis every single time that's why he got picked up by the athletic which was great for him and a couple days ago he wrote about clayton richard and kind of the tale of two seasons that for his first however many starts he was a i won't say good but he was at least a major league average starter right since then he's been one of the worst starters in the game so if there's been some nagging injury that might be a partial explain partially yeah. explain what's going on um, I mean, I guess the timing of it isn't the worst because rosters are about to expand. So now you're going to have an extra probably half dozen guys on the pitching staff coming up from El Paso and elsewhere. That we'll definitely get a look at. But you still feel bad for the guy. It's a rough way to end your season. Yeah, and he's a single ball pitcher. So if he doesn't keep the ball down, it gets hit. Mm -hmm. And he's a ground ball guy. And he was leaving that ball up. And yes, he was. Major leaguers, you know, I hope Nixon, those guys are watching them in the, in the dugout. That's what happens when you get the ball up. Mm -hmm. Keep it down. Um, well, you can reach me on Twitter at SD Donovan. And you can reach Roy at... Zippy underscore TMS. Happy Luis Urias Day. Happy everybody. Luis Urias Day!